Welcome. This is the Sean Sandifer Show, where we're building a community of free thinkers, innovators, creators, and entrepreneurs. We are a new generation of leaders and problem solvers who seek to build better communities, a better country, and a better world. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Sean Sandifer Show. I'm Sean Sandifer, your host. Thank you for being patient with me on my podcast episode posting schedule. I'm currently in the thick of the semester for law school, and this is, of course, my third and final year, so truly probably the highest and most rigorous level of academic coursework I've ever experienced. Uh, But I'm still trying my best to get out some content for you all, and I'm grateful to have you as a listener. Today's episode is a conversation I recently recorded with my friend, Jake Pence. Jake and I actually met at U of I, and we were both in the finance program there. We connected because we both have a similar entrepreneurial mindset, and I think it's fair to say we both share a willingness to take the road less traveled. Um, Jake actually has his own real estate investing company and has begun building quite an impressive portfolio. This is actually the first of two or three episodes that I'll have with Jake. And and this interview and this conversation and this episode, we discuss finding your interests in college, leveraging internships to achieve your goals, getting started in your career. Um, We talk about Jake getting started in the real estate investing uh, business and the real estate investing world. And we answer the question, do you have to be rich or have rich parents to start in real estate? Um, Answer is no. And we talk about that. We also talk about the the Burr strategy, B-R-R-R strategy, which is buy a property, renovate it, refinance it, and rent it out long term. And uh, finally, in this interview, we talk about building a brand and creating online content, specifically in in the context of Jake and his real estate portfolio. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. I I think it's uh, very interesting for someone who's in college or who's just getting started in their career, or if, if you're interested in real estate investing, or if you already are in real estate investing, hearing hearing that perspective might be helpful or interesting to you. And uh, as always, please feel free to email me with your thoughts or any additional questions you have at hello, H-E-L-L-O, at theshawnsandifershow.com. You can also keep up with me on Instagram at Sean Sandifer. The best way you can help me grow the show is to share a screenshot of your podcast player, to your social media pages and or just share it with with your friends. So thank you all. And here's my conversation with Jake. Jake Pence is the founder and managing partner of Kasky, K-A-S-K-I. Kasky is a Nashville-based real estate investment firm focused on acquiring short-term rentals in Nashville, Tennessee and apartment complexes in central Illinois and middle Tennessee. Jake grew up in St. Joseph, Illinois, where he attended St. Joseph Ogden High School before going on to the University of Illinois, where he studied finance with a concentration in real estate. After graduating in December of 2019, Jake moved back into his parents' basement and launched Caskey. Jake currently resides in Nashville with his girlfriend, Maddie, and their mini Bernadoodle, Gus. And Jake joins us now. Jake, welcome to the Sean Sandifer Show. Thanks for having me on, Sean. It's kind of... uh come full circle starting back in finance class at Illinois. And then, you know, you hop on my YouTube channel at one point and here we are. Yes, it has. So Jake and I met at U of I. We, uh, Jake graduate, graduated a semester after me. 
um, Jake, your high school class of 2016, right? Correct. Yep. So I, he's 2016. I'm 2015. We met just kind of at random in a finance class, a very difficult finance class. I'm very a, difficult financing class. The worst grade I got in college, actually. Nice. Nice. I think, I think the average in that class is like a C plus for those who don't drop. Yep. And I was painfully average that semester. <laughs> um, yes. And so me and Jake kind of just met that way, started talking, uh, hung out a few times and uh, have been kind of in contact ever since. We have, um, Jake obviously lives in Nashville. I split my time between Illinois and St. Louis, but we both have an entrepreneurial leaning mind and, and a, a unique path that we like to follow. We both have a strong interest in real estate. And that is why I brought, I wanted to have Jake on to my podcast and really talk about his story, his life after college and how he first started getting into real estate because he is at the beginning of his career. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can kind of start it off with actually my time in high school. And, and I got into real estate because my uncle Jared, he started buying properties when he graduated from college, um, which would have been in 2004, 2005. Uh, so by the time I hit high school, he had a, a little portfolio and he would take me to his properties. And, you know, essentially I was cheap labor, more or less, um, helping out with different maintenance tasks and, and whatnot. Um, but to be honest, I hated it because I was terrible at it. Um, however, while we were you know, doing those different projects, he was also teaching me the business side of it. And that's what, what clicked for me at a relatively young age. Uh, so from there, I went on to the University of Illinois where I studied finance and real estate. And while I was at the U of I, I stumbled into a couple of really good real estate internship opportunities. And those opportunities, I would say, really springboarded my career in the sense to where, you know, I was a, a kid researching real estate online and learning about it in class and whatnot to actually surrounding myself with people who were professional real estate investors doing it at a very high level um, and, you know, had built extremely successful careers out of it. So those experiences were were instrumental. And then I purchased my first property. It would have been my junior year of college. Um, so it was really kind of those, those experiences between internships and acquiring my first, first deal and it going well, that, that gave me the confidence to go out and, and do this full time. And, you know, fast forward 18, 20 months or whatever it's been since I graduated, uh, things are, things are starting to go well for me. So overall it's been a, uh, a long, long journey. And it's certainly not an overnight success or, or anything like that. Like it's been, it's been challenging, but I enjoy it. We're just beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So Jake, before I, I want to talk about the internships, but before I get to that, some people are wondering, I just got to college or I'm in high school. I have no idea what I want to do. I know you talked about, you said your cousin or your uncle, Jared, My Uncle. your uncle, Jared worked in some real estate. You helped him out with some things. Is that how you got your interest in finance and real estate? Or how did you know that's what you want to do once you got to U of I? Yeah, so I would say I've, I've just kind of always been drawn to business. And those experiences with my uncle and real estate, um, and it just really, there's just something about it that, that drew me in. And that combined with, you know, my uncle would give me books to read, podcasts to listen to. Um, and, you know, it just kind of clicked for me. It made sense. And 
but, you know, while I was in college, there were other types of internships that I applied for, too. And, you know, when I first got to college, I at that time, I was actually thinking maybe I wanted to be a college football coach. Um, I was a student manager for the Illinois football team. And, you know, it was really I spent two years doing that. And that was more than enough to show me that I didn't want to be a college football coach and I didn't want to you know, work in college athletics. And that's kind of when I shifted full time into real estate from there. And when I when I got that first internship. But that's something that, you know, I always, always try to tell people who ask similar questions that it's, you just have to try different stuff. Like I tried a lot of things um, before I ultimately settled on real estate, you know, full time, full go. I was always interested in real estate, um, but I had other interests too. So it's one where if you don't get out and try stuff, you're, you're never going to find, or I, I say never, it's unlikely you're going to find what you're truly really passionate about if you, if you don't put yourself out there. Jake, I always thought of you as a basketballer. I didn't know. I didn't think I knew about the football thing. Yeah, so football. Um, football is actually my favorite favorite sport. Um, but no, I, I my high school football coaches had had kind of planted in my mind that hey, maybe you know maybe you should look into this college football coaching thing. And uh, it was one where that is just a lifestyle that didn't line up with one that I wanted to live. Um, I still, you know, love football to this day, play flag football down here in Nashville. Um, but it's one where it was just like thinking long term just didn't make sense for me. So, uh, yeah, but it was fun. I, you know, I got to go to a lot of different Big Ten stadiums and uh -huh. be on the sidelines with, you know, on the headset with with Lovey and, and whatnot. So I have some interesting, um, interesting experiences with that, but just ultimately not not the right long term. Maybe effect. a podcast for another time. Right. Yeah, maybe I, I, I've got some good lovey stories, um, but yeah, maybe a podcast for another time. Cool. Um, so now let's talk about those internships. People are like, well, that's awesome that you got these real estate internships where you learned all this stuff and how to invest in big, big real estate deals, which you're in, you're in now. How did you get those? Did you know somebody? How did you work your network to get what you wanted? How'd you find that? Yeah, so at the University of Illinois, there was a club called Row Epsilon, and you might have, you know, went to some of their meetings. It's just a student real estate association, and it was in one of those meetings, there was a speaker that came, and it was a local company. Um, you know, a lot of people in that particular group probably didn't give local companies to Champaign a whole lot of interest because everybody wants to go to Chicago, where most of the, the guest speakers would be from. Yeah. But there was just something about the speaker there that I was like, I would really love to get that internship. It was actually a it was a um, a real estate investing internship, more or less. And I went and applied for it. Um, I got an interview. I thought my interview went really well, um, but ultimately, I was not qualified for this position. But I interviewed anyway, and I did not get the job. Um, but then here, about two weeks later, the original um, guy who spoke at, at the meeting, he sent me an email and said, hey, you know, we really, um, we really think you would be a great fit for us. And there was another internship that we had talked about uh, potentially launching in our property management department. Why don't you come in and interview for that? So ultimately, it was one where I, you know, I applied for something that I wasn't qualified for, didn't get it, um, but they felt like I was a good fit. And I got on in their property management department where, and ultimately I'm thankful for that because that allowed me to go essentially to, to start at square one. Whereas with the investment side of it, you know, that's further on, further on down the road. Whereas when I was starting in property management, like that's really figuring out the nuts and bolts of large properties. Like 
when this happens, you do this, or you're really in the day-to-day nitty-gritty when you're in property management, whereas when you're just focused on investments, you're thinking more high-level, long-term, and that that property management internship experience really, you know, ultimately gave me that solid foundation, which I think has paid huge dividends in my investment career, too. Where was that internship located? That internship was for Fairlawn Real Estate in Champaign. So I, I ultimately, I worked for them. It ended up being around three years or so. Um, and we can kind of get into what I briefly did for them after graduation. Um, so that was my first internship experience. And then going into my senior year, um, I, you know, I wanted to see what life was like outside of Champaign in, in central Illinois because I spent my whole life there. And there was a company in, and there was, I was interested in going to two cities. I wanted to go to Indianapolis or Nashville. I had never spent any significant amount of time in either, to be honest with you. Um, but I was just looking online at internships. Like I probably just typed in real estate internships on Google. Um, and there was an internship that popped up for a company uh, that goes by Buckingham Companies. So Buckingham Companies, they're a billion dollar company based out of Indianapolis. You know, they're full service real estate, so property management, investments, development, you know, you name it, they do it. And I applied for one of their property management internships. And I sent my application in on like a Tuesday night. Um, I get a text Wednesday morning from my aunt, which was strange at the time. It was not like my aunt texted me that often. And she said, hey, did you apply for Buckingham Companies? And I was like, yeah, like, how would you know that? <laughs> like, that just happened. And she said, my, one of my best friends from high school is actually in charge of their, you know, their talent management, their HR program, who does the hiring. So it was one of those things where it was just, you know, I had no idea that I had that connection there, but it was one where I hopped on the phone, interview went well, and they gave me an offer to work at their property down in Nashville. And it was that that experience that led me to Nashville gave me additional, you know, on-site property management experience. Whereas before with Fairlawn, I was more of a, in a corporate property management role, which that, you know, there are different nuances in both. Um, But it ultimately, it was that, you know, that time down in Nashville with Buckingham that, you know, let me see what, what life was like outside of Illinois. Uh, Let me know that, Hey, I I think I want to get down here after graduation. Um, And, you know, here we are now. That would have been two summers ago, and now we're down here full time. You are a lucky dog. I but, am. I'm a lucky dog. But you know, lesson learned is that yes, some things in business are luck. But Jake, you deserve credit in that you took action. You did leverage your connections once you found out you had them. And had you not taken that initial action on on your own in the beginning, that probably never would have happened. And so, yeah, exactly. I had no idea that that individual worked at Buckingham Companies. I didn't even know who she was. And I think I don't even know how she recognized my name um, and texted my aunt. But, you know, it happened and I was able, I still had to, you know, perform in the interview. It wasn't like she just, you know, gave me the, like, hey, you know, here's a job. Um, It was one of those where I was, at that time, I was, I was probably overqualified for that type of position. Um, and I had a lot of experience in, in that type of role. Um, but yeah, no, it definitely takes a whole lot of, a whole lot of luck. Um, and you know, it started for me with, with the, with Fairlawn believing that I was going to be a good fit for them long-term and kind of 
starting their their internship program maybe a little um, earlier than they expected but you know I'd like to think that they're happy they they made that decision and you know I owe a, a ton of credit to my you know success at this point to to those different companies as they've been you know instrumental and although I'm still no longer with them you know the especially the people at Fairlawn I'd consider to be some of my you know my best mentors in the business. So you gained a lot of experience in your internships and property management. Is that a correct yeah, yeah, so it started out in in property management um, for Fairlawn, and then my time with Buckingham was was really focused on property management. But then when I came back to Fairlawn, which would have been going, you know, during my senior year, my role started expanding. Um, so then it kind of went into more asset management, which is you know a little less in the day to day um, and kind of long term goals of a property, and then also overlapping with with the investment side of it too. So the role grew over time. And as they were able to see that, you know, I was able to perform and, and do a good job, they continued to give me more responsibilities. Um, and, you know, obviously, that's something I'm, I'm thankful for, because it gave me I literally got to go from the nuts and bolts to the you know, high level long term, long term thinking about investments and be able to learn from professionals across that whole spectrum. And just to clear up the time frame here, you your first internship was after your junior year. So the my first internship would have been during my junior year. Okay. So it was actually an internship during school um, while classes were going on. So that would have been I would have started probably in September of that would have been 2018. Um, so September 2018 up until May 2019, I'm working at Fairlawn, pretty you know focused on that corporate property management type role. So then May 2019 to July 2019, I go down to Nashville with Buckingham Companies, where I'm in an on-site property management role. Then I go back to college, and it was also during that time when I bought my first property. And then that's when I go back to campus for my senior year um, in the fall, and I'm back you know, working with Fairlawn at that point again. So it essentially was like a summer hiatus in Nashville yeah. um, in between stints with Fairlawn. And then how long did Fairlawn go? Yeah, so that would have been, um, it, you know, back in the fall of 19, that's when my role starts expanding with Fairlawn. You know, they had wanted me, and I was going to graduate early in December, mm -hmm. and they wanted me to, you know, stay on with them full time. And that's kind of, you know, if I wanted to, if we could step back in a bigger picture and maybe talk about why I didn't want to do that, you know, I, I loved Fairlawn. And if I, if that type of role was something that I wanted to do long-term, then I 100% would have taken it. And I'd probably still be there with them today because I think very highly of them. Um, but I decided not to, to stay on with them full time. This for Fairlawn, this is a time where they were growing very, very quickly. Um, they've now, you know, they're doing, they're closing on like a $200 million deal these days. Like they're, they're doing some pretty big stuff. Um, but it was at this time where they were growing quickly. I had, I had taken on some, you know, relatively significant responsibilities. Um, and I developed a good relationship with the owners and the owners, um, they, they knew why I, you know, wanted to go out on my own after graduation. Um, but they wanted me to still have, you know, some type of involvement with them as well. 
and it was just kind of a, a natural fit. So then in December of 2019, we, you know, I, we classified it as a consultant. So then there were still certain responsibilities that I had for them, you know, related to uh, asset management and then the investment side at this point, not so much concerned with the property management. Um, and I did that with them after I graduated up until I moved down to Nashville here, which would have been in May of 2021. So really there was, um, you know, a, about a year and a half there where I was in that consultant role with Fairlawn and, and starting my business as well. So let's get into that. Your life after college, you graduated from U of I in December of 2019. Yep. Some people know that I graduated in May of 2019, just to give you an idea of our, our timeframes here. And when you got done in December of 2019, you moved back to your parents' house in St. Joe, mm. right? And you were doing this consulting gig for Fairmont? For Fairlawn, yes. So Fairlawn. And, and then what else were you doing? How were you making money and living uh, during that time? Yeah, so while I was still in that consulting role with Fairlawn, um, it was putting you know, a, a consistent source of income in my pocket. So I was able to generate money through them. And then I was living in my parents' basement. And, you know, luckily my parents didn't charge me rent or make me pay for food or, you know, I was very fortunate in the, in the sense that my parents were able to, you know, let me, let me come back and live with them. Without that, my situation looks entirely different. So, you know, obviously I, that, you know, needs to be said. So that's how I'm, you know, generating some sort of consistent income with Fairlawn to pay my bills, which were limited at the time. And then while I'm doing that, I actually started my first real estate investing business, which is what we called blue chip real estate. And blue chip real estate was essentially my take on a like, we buy houses type of business. So a we buy houses type of business model is essentially where someone, I mean, it's self-explanatory. They'll literally buy any type of house, regardless of the condition, um, you know, you might see signs for that on the side of the road or, or whatever. And it is a business model that ultimately it, um, it just didn't get me out of bed in the morning. Like we, we did, you know, and we did some deals and I, I was, you know, focused on that probably from, you know, January to, to May of 2020. Um, and we, we did four deals in that time and the deals were fine. But I just knew that long term, like this isn't the right fit for me. Like these types of deals don't necessarily get me excited. Um, the the hustle, the type of hustle related to that kind of business, uh, just wasn't something that, you know, I felt was a great long term fit for me. And that's when you know the idea of of Caskey was essentially born. And, and Caskey, more or less, is, is recreating the model that I learned from Fairlawn and that I learned from Buckingham and those larger real estate private equity type of companies. Um, so, okay. yeah, well, go ahead. Before we get into Caskey, let's nail down, you're at home, you're working this consulting gig, you're starting to dream up ideas as to how you can get yourself started in real estate. You start this blue chip model. Yep. Tell us, I know, I know you bought your first real estate purchase in actually in college. So kind of walk us through how you first got started, how you got equity, how you got the money put together, because people are going to be wondering, Hey, I might like to get into real estate. Are you, are you a multimillionaire? Do you have parents that are multimillionaires? 
How did yeah. you do it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you the story of my first deal. So that would have been in, we closed on it, I believe in May of 2019. I had been looking for properties for probably at least six months leading up to that. Um, you know, I knew I wanted to buy my first deal. I had some experience under my belt with Fairlawn. Like, hey, like I can, I can do this. Um, and I'm looking on Zillow like all the time trying to find deals. And I never found one. And I was really frustrated. And I remember the night very kind of vividly um, because at this point I hadn't necessarily told people that I was wanting to get into this. Like this was just kind of something that was my own personal thing. And I went on Facebook and I made a Facebook post that basically said, you know, I'm looking to buy single family homes or small multifamily properties within an hour of Champaign-Urbana. You know, if you or someone you know is looking to sell, um, please you know, reach out to me. So I make that post on Facebook and I almost didn't make it um, because I was like embarrassed for whatever reason. Like, I, I don't know why, um, but I made the post and it got four or five shares, like people were commenting on it and four or five like legitimate leads came from that Facebook post. And ultimately there was one deal in particular that stood out. Um, and, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, and we actually had put that deal under contract. So the way that I was able to, and then the next thing that people wonder is like, okay, how do you have the money to do this? Um, you know, I don't come from a rich family by any means. Like my parents do do just fine, but it's not like they, they've got hundreds of thousands of dollars to just throw my way. Mm -hmm. um, but my parents had a home equity line of credit. So a home equity line of credit is essentially, you know, when your house is valued at, you know, X, you owe Y, and if there's a big difference between X and Y, a bank will give you what's called a home equity line of credit. And my parents had a home equity line of credit, um, a HELOC for short is what you'll hear, hear people call it. And I knew that they had that HELOC and they weren't doing anything with it. And I basically went to them and explained how we could use that HELOC to buy a cash flowing real estate investment property. And, you know, kind of going back to the theme to where I'm lucky to have parents that believe in me and were willing to, you know, take that risk with me in the sense to where they're like, okay, you have this HELOC, like we'll use this HELOC to buy the first property. But um, don't be mistaken. That's taking on debt. I mean, they are, yes. are, they are using their equity line of credit to take out money and that, that creates debt for them. Exactly. So um, this isn't something that like they would have just done if they, if, they didn't know that I was serious and, and didn't, didn't believe in me. So we used I, I can say with certainty that my parents would have told me to go jump in a lake. <laughs> for sure. See, and, and my parents might've thought that at the beginning too. Um, but once, you know, once I kind of was able to sit down and, and show them like, this is how it's going to work. Like I'm, I know it's going to work. Like you just got to have a little faith in me. Um, and luckily they did. So we bought that property using the home equity line of credit um, the purchase price was, I believe, seventy-two thousand um, dollars for a single-family home in Tuscola, Illinois, and the house needed some work, so we put around fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars in it, um, also funded by that home equity line of credit. So I think we literally used like every dot, every penny in that HELOC, 
Um, and the numbers just, you know, they happen to work out. So we were all into this deal around $87,000 using that HELOC. And then we were, we wanted to hold on to it long-term as a rental. Um, and for people maybe a little more familiar with real estate investing, this is called the Burr strategy. So you buy a property, you renovate it, you refinance it, and then you rent it out long-term. So at this point we'd renovated it. Um, we're all in for 87,000. So then we're going to refinance from a local bank and the bank was, you know, I had a relationship with the lender there. He knew um, that we were going to be doing this all along. Like we didn't buy this property and not have the refinance already lined up. So he knew what we were doing. The house then has to get appraised to see what the new value is because we went in and made improvements. So the value came back at $120,000. So then the bank will give us 80% of $120,000 in the form of a loan, which is additional debt. Um, and 80% of $120,000 is $96,000. So kind of going back to where we're at, bank gives us a loan for 96. We currently owe 87 on a HELOC. So we pay that HELOC off using the new debt. And then there's that $9,000 difference there. And that $9,000 difference went straight into our bank account in the form of tax-free income because it's legally considered debt and not income. So we can break that down more. So your parents' um, HELOC is back where it was. They're back exactly. where they started. However, they've now co-signed on onto this deal where you do owe a $96,000 mortgage, essentially. Yes. Right? And is that 50-50 they co-signed that? Yeah. So then... Um, so yeah, we pay off the HELOC. The HELOC is now restored, you know, back, back with the bank. They could, you know, we could go use it to do another property. Um, so yes, now we've got a mortgage for $96,000. I think the payment on it was around like $550 a month. Um, but now we're at the portion in the birth strategy where it's time to rent it out. So we then get a tenant in there who is paying us a thousand dollars a month. So, um, we've got a tenant paying our rent or paying our mortgage off every month, paying for the property taxes, the insurance, you know, all the different expenses associated with it. And then at the end of every month, there's still some, you know, additional profits going into that bank account. So yes, we used debt, but we use that debt to acquire an asset that can support and service the debt consistently. So then the way I set it up with my parents was we split everything 50-50. Um, so when it was all said and done, done in this, like we, neither of us had any additional cash out of our pocket into this deal. Um, and we split all the profits on it 50, 50, and we used a lot, a good chunk of that 9,000 to actually pay off, you know, a portion of my senior year of college. Um, and it, you know, it worked out and that was, that well, was, I'm, the I'm guessing on a long-term rental at a thousand a month and a 550 mortgage, there's not very much profits to pay out. Right. The, at first, no, there, there wasn't a ton of profits. Um, and that, you know, granted, we were able to pull out a good chunk of equity there on the refinance. But no, the monthly cash flow is not a nothing to, to write home about. Um, right. Actually, we recently refinanced that loan again into a lower interest rate. You know, thanks to COVID, rates dropped pretty significantly compared to when we first bought that deal. Um, so now, you know, I think we're paying, we're able to pull out additional you know, income from, because the home had appreciated in value even then. Um, but then we were able to reduce our mortgage payment. So that's a deal where it's not, you know, it's not my best cash flowing asset per se, but it's one to where we have no money in it. Um, we have good tenants. And the idea is 
the idea is, let's say you get your mortgage paid off in maybe 10 years. And then at that point, there's no mortgage, there's no debt. You've paid off that mortgage through other people's money, i.e. their rents that they pay. Yeah. He locks back where it was. And so in 10 years, you've got an asset all of a sudden that's worth maybe 140000 mm -hmm. And you either can just keep renting it out and getting that cash flow with no debt to service, no mortgage to pay. Um, or you can sell the asset for one hundred and forty, and you and your parents get a nice $70,000 chunk of change. Exactly. So um, that's your first purchase. Very similar, by the way, to the episode, or I did an episode on the same exact kind of thing I did with my brother. We own a rental property 50-50 that we purchased for 130000 I think it's worth one hundred and fifty or one hundred and sixty now. Put some stuff into it. Our mortgage balance is under 100000 on it. And so it's same kind of thing, but it's, it's, it's very simple type of model uh, to first get into real estate. If you are interested in that, go back in my previous episodes. I, I outlined that investment model pretty, hopefully pretty clearly. Um, Jake, I want to go into, so you're still at home, do the first, the first purchase of the house. You're doing this consulting gig. You're, you're, you're working on some more deals and Walk us through where, where that leads you to, and also maybe you can get in some of your branding and content and YouTube work that you did as well. Yeah, so I graduate in, you know, in December, um, start Blue Chip. You know, we, we then purchased two homes, and Blue Chip was actually me and my uncle. So it kind of come full circle with my uncle in the sense to where he first introduced me to it. He wanted to do more in real estate, but he didn't necessarily have the time to do it. But once again, he believed in me to be able to go out and do deals together. So we kind of, that was our first, first way of teaming up. Um, and we set things up the exact same way that, you know, that I'd set it up with my parents. Um, and we go and then we buy two houses. Uh, we buy the first in February and then the second in April. Um, and that was kind of the first few deals of a blue chip. We went on to buy another one. You were using his here. money. You were using his money, but you were putting in the work. It wasn't your money to buy these houses. Yes. But the way that we actually, and we can tie it back to my parents once again, the initial funding that we used on these, these future deals, it was the same exact strategy. So we used that my parents HELOC, we would pay them kind of, you know, even additional interest on it. So there really wasn't much cash invested. Um, there were a few where it didn't appraise for enough to where we could pull out all of that initial cash. So we had to bring a little more to the table to pay off the HELOC. So my uncle did, you know, write those checks. Um, but overall, we were able on our first four houses, I think we probably got maybe $5,000 of cash put down to acquire those four, four houses. You're making, you're making Dave Ramsey roll over. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know if Dave, um, I, I don't fall on the complete opposite spectrum of Dave. Um, but yes, there are certain things that, that he would not advise people to do that, that I do. Um, and, but that can kind of tie in kind of going, going in the relation of creating okay. content. Some will, some will disagree with Dave. Some say if you aren't Owen, you're not growing. <laughs> That, that's fair. So that you've got like Dave Ramsey and Robert Kiyosaki, um, who are kind of two well-known people in the personal finance space who could not be more opposite. And one of the first books I read that kind of got me, that my uncle gave me to read was a book by Robert Kiyosaki called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of different philosophies. And 
you know, I think Dave Ramsey gives, he gives really good advice to a lot of people. Like it's very applicable to, to many. Um, it didn't, his advice didn't necessarily align with, with ultimately where I wanted to end up at. So well, I maybe, think. Maybe Jake Pence and Sean Sandifer can be the new uh, Dave Ramsey, <laughs> Robert Kiyosaki. We, we, we need another generation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, kind of going into the, the creating content and, and blue chip real estate and whatnot. Um, that first six months was very, like, it was, it was challenging. I tried a lot of stuff. Some stuff worked, some stuff didn't. I really found out a lot about myself in that first six months. So one of the things that, you know, once I graduated, I, I had some other buddies who were kind of entrepreneurs. Um, and one of them gave me an advice. He's like, Hey, like what you're doing is, is kind of interesting. Like you should make a YouTube channel and like document this, um, you know, document your journey, talk about real estate, talk about personal finance, like do all of, all of that stuff and, you know, essentially build a brand for yourself. And at the time, like, yeah, you know, that sounds like a good idea. Like I, I had a background in being able to make videos um, going back to, you know, even Sean's first business, um, Country Carved. And so I knew how to make videos. Um, I my mom's a photographer, so I had the equipment that I needed. And I started making YouTube videos. Mm. And what I quickly found out um, much, you know, very quickly is that I hated making YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> and I continued to make them. And I continued to, you know, keep running with with blue chip real estate and, and doing those things and hope that, you know, it would pay off more or less and that maybe it would get a little better. Um, but ultimately I, you know, I made the decision, like, I, I can't keep doing this. Like I'm doing stuff that I just genuinely don't enjoy. Um, it's not this type of model isn't the right fit for me. You know, I need to pivot elsewhere. And what was you know, your goal in, starting the, the content and the YouTube channel. What were you trying to achieve by doing that? Yeah. So I would say it was a, a combination of things. First being, you know, I genuinely do enjoy talking about those things and I, and I do enjoy, um, you know, starting that conversation for people because it's not a conversation that people have, which is unfortunate. It's not something that is, you know, taught in, in the school systems. You know, I had a real estate and I took a real estate investing class in college where we didn't even learn how to run the numbers on a rental property. Like, you know, there's, there's certain things, shorten, certain shortfalls of, you know, of society that, you know, they are what they are. And I, you know, I wanted to, to start some of those conversations. So that was very genuine interest. Um, you know, the second, from a business standpoint, when you build a brand, if you do it the right way, then, you know, when people, if, if there's a problem that people have that your service can provide, then, you know, you, you become top of mind. So kind of my service would have been if, you know, if someone knew of a property that someone wanted to get rid of, they would have known that, Hey, you know, Jake Pence does real estate. Why don't I, why don't I see if Jake wants to buy it? Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of staying top of mind that way. Um, and then also, you know, I, I was interested. So my uncle had a certain amount of cash that he was able to use for our properties and I knew that if I wanted to do this long term, the amount of cash that he had on hand 
was not enough to fund that. Like we weren't going to be able to acquire enough assets for me to do this full time. So it was also to kind of start planting the seed with investors as well and, and letting people see the content that I was putting out, you know, hopefully make them think that, Hey, this kid knows what he's talking about a little bit. Like I'd like right. to kind of stay up to date with his progress and, and see how things go for him. It's, so, it's actually very similar to, to why I do the podcast and why I started the Sean Sandifer show. And I, I want to speak on this for just a minute because it's for similar reasons. Number one, I, I like to use my voice and talk about these issues. I think you can make an impact even at a small platform and you can make an impact on that scale. And of course you hope that it, your platform grows and continues to be able to spread the message to as many people as possible. That's, that's number one, but very similar to you, uh, Jake is, you know, you wanted people to think about you and they thought about real estate and real estate deals. Mm -hmm. And like with me becoming an attorney, hopefully within the next year, I want people to think of me when they think of, Hey, I need a, I need a good attorney or I need legal advice, or I need good financial advice, or I need entrepreneurship advice, or, hey, you know, on the, on the political front, you know, this is somebody who's a young person who can speak on these political issues and give this side uh, of the view. And so I wanted to be someone who was, could be thought of at that. So, so very similar reasons. So, so why did you end it? And did you get anything out of it when you were doing your YouTube channel and stuff? Yeah. So I definitely did get a lot out of it. Like it, it did pay off. Um, I didn't necessarily enjoy the process, but I did see some results and I, you know, I still see results to this day. Actually, I have one video where I went through one of my real estate investment calculators and I would have people hit me up all the time. Like, Hey, can you send me this investment calculator? And it got to the point where it was a little, it was a little annoying, like the emails, just people ask me for this thing. So I put in the comment section, like, hey, if you Venmo me $10, I'll send you this calculator, just to add some sort of like barrier to entry here. And I, I kid you not, I've, I've made a couple hundred bucks um, of people, probably close to $500, honestly, of people Venmoing me, asking me for that calculator. So that's, it's one where like, at the time, when I posted out on my Facebook timeline, like it probably got no views. Um, because people, you know, local people, my main audience, like they weren't dying to see the walkthrough of a real estate investment calculator, but it was just kind of cool seeing the, the global reach that those types of yeah. videos can have. And it's one where at some point, just after seeing the demand for that, I have considered starting a new or basically rebranding my current YouTube channel, deleting most of my old videos and just putting a couple of videos on there of walkthroughs of investment calculators and having someone else like streamline the process much more for me yeah. um, to where there's probably a viable business in there. How long but, did you do that YouTube stuff? Yeah. So I did YouTube for, for probably six months. Um, but going back to your original question, yes, I did get some stuff out of it. It did in, you know, it did allow people to see that, Hey, he, he kind of knows what he's talking about a little bit. Like he's, he's doing some things I'd like to stay up to date with him. Um, but ultimately why I ended it is as simple as I did not enjoy it. And it became a time and brain suck for me. That just wasn't something that I wanted to continue to do. Like, you know, and to be honest, I don't even like social media. Like I, I, I really don't. Mm -hmm. And putting a lot of content out on social media was just something that I, I wasn't, 
I didn't feel like myself, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does, and, absolutely. Yeah, and it's one where, like I said, I, it's a big learning lesson for me um, because it was just kind of further proof that like there's so many different ways you can go about building a brand or starting a business or like there's not a one size fits all type of advice. And I think people want that, like, hey, like, what exactly should I do here? Like, what, how can I make this work? Um, and, you know, I tried a lot of different things and failed at them, YouTube being one of them. Um, but at the end of the day, like, if I didn't try that stuff, I wouldn't know. And, you know, there's, you, you just have to find your own path, ultimately. And, you know, the, the people that I had worked with at Fairlawn, um, and, you know, looking back on it, I don't know why I didn't realize this sooner, but the people I worked with at Fairlawn, they didn't have a YouTube channel. They didn't, you know, they, I don't even know if they're on social media. And at that time they'd own 250 million in real estate. And now they're, you know, well over half a billion. And I, the advice that I took from someone else, which was good advice for that person because it had worked for them. Um, it maybe wasn't the best fit for me. And instead of, you know, following the model of, of the people that were where I wanted to be, I didn't do that. And, you know, it took me six months to realize that. Um, but it's six months that, you know, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad I did it. There were certainly some cringy videos that I don't want to watch again. Um, and I don't know why none of my friends were like, Jake, dude, you've got to stop this. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And I do wonder about my podcasts. I wonder if I listen to my podcasts in like five years, what I'll, what I'll think of them. It's just like, you know, your perspective changes, but um, yeah, I did a video with you. Hope it's still up. I don't know. <laughs> it is. So I, I left, um, I took down a lot of my videos, um, but I did leave up any of them where, you know, I interviewed someone because at first I was creating all the content myself Yeah, and that is challenging and i know you know how that goes but i i don't think people maybe understand the amount of work and, and time that goes into putting out it, it's an extreme amount of work content. i mean it's a lot of work i i enjoy it i find it i find calling in it i find a purpose in it i find a you know not just a uh what's the word i'm looking for um like not a not an altruistic yeah not the right word not an altruistic purpose there's there's that but there's also a, a legitimate business purpose and so I am motivated by that, but it is a ton of work to schedule interviews, prepare for interviews, schedule episodes, prepare episodes, edit episodes, listen to episodes, um, publish them, come up with content, same kind mm -hmm. of thing with YouTube. So it's definitely something that it does take a lot of commitment and you have to have a pretty solid internal why for why yeah. you're doing it. But there's, but there's more than one way, one way to skin a cat. So you don't have to, exactly. to be a successful brand or successful marketing. Jake, you're getting at this was you don't necessarily have to have a huge social media uh, presence or platform. A lot of people don't have any presence or platform and have a great successful business and brand. It's just, it's just one of the ways you can achieve that. It, exactly. So, you know, when, when people ask like, Hey, what's the path I should take? You know, it's like, just go figure it out. Like go try some different things, see what you like, see what you don't like, see what, you know, fits your personality, what doesn't ultimately YouTube was, you know, not something that, that fit my personality, not, you know, the type of business that I wanted to build. And I decided to stop doing it. So it was one that I'm thankful for it, but I'm, I'm also glad I'm no longer doing it. So after I was done with YouTube in around, you know, May of 2020, I, I basically took 
you know, well over a year off of posting content on social media. Um, and, you know, it got to a point again, where I was like, you know, I, I, I want to still continue to kind of facilitate some of these conversations in, you know, local community and amongst my friend circle and whatnot. So now I actually have an Instagram page specifically for my real estate investments and my real estate company, Caskey. So you can follow me on Instagram at investcaskey where I, you know, I kind of go back into talking about some of this stuff, but now it's in a way that I feel much more comfortable with it. There's no pressure. There's, you know, just what's actually popping up like on a day-to-day basis for me. So um, again, it's, it's finding out what works for you and, and what you enjoy and, and kind of taking it from there. But um, going back to kind of that first year, you know, out of college. So, you know, I did YouTube for six months, then continued uh, at that point, put more focus, you know, even more time and focus on finding these real estate deals. And we did another deal, um, another single family house with my uncle. We put an apartment complex under contract that ultimately that deal didn't end up happening. Um, but it was, again, overall, it was a very, it was a very, very challenging first year. And I, you know, I can't emphasize that enough, I guess. Like if, if you think that you're going to start a business and it's going to be a hit right away, then, you know, I have, I have some bad news for you. Like it, that's probably, yeah. probably not the case. And, you know, I'm a goal oriented person. Like, you know, I had these goals that I wanted to hit in my first year or whatever, and I came nowhere close. Um, you know, I wasn't even in the same ballpark and that was challenging. Um, but now, you know, as I'm getting close to year two, you know, I'm coming up on, you know, 20 months or whatever. Um, I'm further along now than where I thought I would be at this point, but it just took me a lot a lot longer to get started than I thought. And it was that first year was just a really, I learned a lot about myself. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that, that I was able to live with my parents and kind of weather that those storms and those struggles. Um, and now, you know, I hopefully just to kind of keep the momentum moving forward. Okay. And that is the end of part one of my conversation with Jake. I hope you all enjoyed it and stay tuned for part two coming out in the next couple of weeks where we get into Jake moving to Nashville and how he got involved into some of his more recent and more major real estate deals. So I look forward to talking with you again at that time. I'm Sean Sandifer, your host. This is The Sean Sandifer Show.